I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to Online Darts, everyone. A very warm welcome to 2020. And it is the first live lounge of the year. And we cannot wait. Lots and lots to talk about. We've got a busy couple of hours Ahead, Gob, it's going to be good. I love how you come to me first. Hello, everyone. I'm back again. One day off, but I'm back in front of the camera. <laughs> uh, yeah, how is everyone? All good? All good. You, boys? First show of the year. First show yeah. of the year. What are we doing? First show of the year. And on a Tuesday. What are we doing? We are mixing things up in 2020. It won't stay like this, we promise. Yeah, the problem is, if we didn't do it tonight, then it's like ages and then the world seems a million miles away. So it was like, bang, we'll go in on a Tuesday, get it done. But welcome along, everyone. Come and say hi in the chat room as well. Plenty going on. All the usuals are in. And welcome to our new subscribers as well. Touching on that, we're only 10 subs away from 19k. So you know what to do, everyone. Just click that little subscribe button for us. That would be much appreciated. Um, But loads coming on. Got a few guests dotted along this show this evening. First of all, Jamie Banks from the PDC will be joining us in around five minutes or so. Then we've got Mason and then followed by Matt Ward as well. So busy, busy show. Well, you know, we'll, but I feel we'll, we'll just suddenly developed an accent. We have Chris Mason on. The way you said Mason on, it was a bit weird. It was like Mason. half his name, half. What's on? What's But everyone in the chat room, Reese, Tom, Kieran, Andrew is in as always. Um, Bill, Brody, welcome along. Yeah. Lots of um. Reference to Wayne Mardle's bit of punditry genius 
last night that won Twitter. Who is in charge? Just a little. That is the question. Who is in charge? Not me. Someone else could have it. <laughs> <laughs> look, it was genius though, wasn't it? From Nardle. But no, look, the World Championships is like nothing else. It's 16 days in the Big Brother house, but it never fails to deliver, does it, boys? But I know we're going to go through our moments and, and talk about bits and bobs around the world as we go along. But it's just a special, special tournament. Yeah, it's, it, it is. And it had a bit of a different feel to it this year, obviously, with crowds back in. Um, and then to me, probably had a bit, it was a bit of a slow burner. Um, but then as we don't, I know we'll go into the dames and go into it, but it certainly come to light the uh, the back end of 2021 and then into 2022. And uh, one thing I will add on that is Mr. Darwood has on here done a fantastic job on the fallout bar with... I know Cam, Charlie, the rest of them. Uh, it was good. I, I was on there a few times, but generally tuning in as a fan and watching. Uh, it was good to have the fallout bar back every night. I know where uh, Dobbs looking forward to a night off that or a couple of nights off. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were having a look at our analytics earlier. We've, we've got to run the full ones, but you guys, thank you very, very much. Numbers, astronomical and everything and like we say we wouldn't do it if you guys didn't come along and watch and interact with us so massively appreciated but like Boise said there it was a bit of a slow burner look from the quarterfinals onwards sensational but up until then a little bit patchy at times got yeah look we we got a little bit of criticism on the fallout bar especially early on for saying that we weren't very enthusiastic and it was a difficult to watch a dart show for people that didn't enjoy watching the darts. But the harsh reality is, in the early stages, there were countless sub-90 averages. Don't get wrong, some of the games were good. They were scrappy. Not every game has to be over 100 to be entertaining. But there was an awful lot of difficult watches this year. I'm not sure if that was just because of what we do and we sit and watch every single game of darts and you need that little bit, something extra to, to give us the spark, if you know what I mean, because we see so much it just felt like especially in the early stages um a lot of the international qualifiers seem to struggle because of the absence of darts pretty much anywhere else outside of the pro tour returning due to covid uh we already lost a couple of players uh pre-tournament then we lost a few more to covid later on as well and all of that just um amalgamated really in, in a slow burner but it's still a, a decent world championships yeah no look completely there, there was there was always a subplot somewhere else forget the worlds nearly every game had something else on it apart from that player progressing whether that was winning a tour card losing a tour card jumping into the six, top 64 32 16 and at one point we were even talking about people jumping into the top four that's how much all these games matter in the world championships yeah it does indeed again that makes it we we get involved in all that so much more as well. It's difficult to, from our point of view, to just sit and enjoy a game when we know what's on the line and we have to be prepared for every single situation. We've got graphics ready to go. We've got posts ready to go. We've got articles potentially having to be written up and, and the like. Like I'm not bemoaning what we do. The fact we get to cover these darts tournaments is, is absolutely fantastic. But there is an element of the world is a very, very long time for us as a team especially for myself, who moved house, 
went home for four days during Christmas. COVID lockdowns are coming, God knows elsewhere. I've literally got in the door 10 minutes ago from cleaning my old house because the keys have to go back tomorrow. So I've rushed that between finishing work today and starting this show. And I'm just a bit like, give me 10 minutes and I'll actually take in how good a tournament this was. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I was running on caffeine and lots of it at, at one point. But look, like you say, we love what we do. And it, and, it, and it was brilliant. And just after last year, that look, the fans are going to come up in conversation as we go through the night. We, we, we know that. But from being there last year in this huge gladiatorial building with probably no more than 50 or 60 people rattling around the whole thing to what we had back. And let's be fair, we, we, we were all nervous that we weren't convinced we were going to see the tournament out as we did. So it was just amazing that we did. Yeah, on, on that, I'm, I'm with you. It was, glad, it was good to have them back. There were aspects of it that weren't right. Um, but then there were elements of it that, for me, there was more pros than cons to them being there. Um, the night I was in the fans was semi-finals night. And for me, it probably helped being England versus England and Scotland versus Scotland. But for me, I thought the fans that night were, were outstanding throughout the whole night. Obviously, the quality of the darts helped. But there was nights like that that I thought that did stand above the others and there's other times where they probably went a little bit too far but generally the majority of the the people there i think um made it the event what it was and for me 100 percent better than what we had the year before uh as you know phil i was there for the one night of the previous world and the one night we had and yeah. for me that that wasn't that wasn't even enough for me if we didn't fall back to that which was a potential um it just wouldn't have felt the same it was a bit it was a bit like watching an old organisation when they used to play darts and it didn't have that same effect of having fans in there. So, for me, it wasn't the same. Yeah. So, we yeah, did have I know you were watching from home and, and you were quite vocal on it at, at one point. There were times when they got, rightfully, got a lot of stick. There were times when I wasn't so keen on the, the narrative being chucked around that they're not true darts fans, etc. At the end of the day, they were there to... They were there to see the the entertainment. They they paid their money to be there, which is more than everybody kicking off saying it's not a true darts crowd in Facebook and, and Twitter were. Um, there were there were the odd moment. Look, I think the fact that we built up so much before the game about Steve Beaton potentially getting booed meant it was inevitable. If nobody had touched it, I'm not saying it would have, but there was a possibility that would have just been swept under the carpet and, and got on with. I think a lot of the booing and reaction from the crowd was a little bit pantomime and it's what we've, we've come to expect. If a, if a game's going particularly one-sided, you start booing them because the crowd just want to see a longer game. You remember when James Wade beat uh, Mervyn King in the Masters final and Merv's 9-0 up and getting booed because the players just want to see more for what they've paid for in the final, mm -hmm. etc. Um, look, some of the crowd were ridiculous. I've seen some videos of fans smashing up the toilets, etc. And, and that's not the crowd we want. But I think part of it is a hangover from the Euros. Part of it is the fact that it is one of the only sporting events where you can rock up, drink the way that you can in an atmosphere that, is, for the for the vast few years, has been encouraged by the PDC. This is what the atmosphere they've tried to create and, and manufacture and sell it as the best party in the world. I think booing in general, get over it. I'm at that point now where 
if it's a wall of noise, I've got no issue with it. It's it's when you get the individuals trying to alter the outcome of a dart by shrieking or shouting or, or deliberately making a noise that's different from the rest of the crowd that, that makes the player miss. That's where the issue is. Um, and that, that's what needs to be addressed. And it's those individuals that need to be picked out and, and, and something happened with them. I'm not sure what, ban them or whatever, but the way that darts tickets work compared to football tickets, that's a little bit more difficult, I think. So, look, I'm not sure I know 100% what the solution was. I don't think they were the worst crowd ever and they're terrible and whatever. There, there were moments, don't get me wrong, uh, when Michael Smith beat Gerwin Price, I was livid because the reaction that, that Gezi gave off, there was clearly an individual attempting to put Price off that had enough and it, it seemed to have a major impact on one of the biggest games of the tournament. That was arguably Michael Smith's best performance on TV in five to ten years. It was superb. He just beat the world number one and reigning world champion at the World Championships in a composed performance that we had rarely seen from Michael Smith. And all we spent the next ten minutes talking about was how bad the crowd were for the final two sets. It, it took the shine off an awful lot of moments this year. And as if by magic... We are joined by Mr. Jamie Banks from the PDC, Head of Broadcast. Jamie, welcome along, mate. Hope you're all good. Evening, gents. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem, mate. Have you have you recovered from from Ali Pally? Do you know what? It's nice to be this time of the, of the evening and not have a suit on, to be honest. It's a, a strange feeling. <laughs> we're, we're disappointed you've got no suit on. We, we normally wear the suits, of course. So we Listen, I didn't, think, I didn't think about it, but you know, I've known Phil long enough now to know that suits aren't his style. Oh, he's in right. flip-flops and shorts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jamie, uh, thanks for coming on. Saying, just to give the, the PDC perspective of, of the world, some early indications. I'm sure you had a bit of a debrief today. How would you assess the 2022 William Hill World Darts Championship? I mean, for me personally, I absolutely loved it. I know people are going to have their opinions on various parts of it, but I thought it was brilliant. Nine darters, missed nine darters, big averages, world records with 180s, and a champion that I don't think anyone can begrudge. I think it just all fit nicely into place. There were so many things and so many different issues that could have come up, didn't come up, or might have come up, and it ended up really going pretty much as well as we could have planned it was a long few weeks, as you can probably imagine from an organiser's perspective, but I thought everything that we did as the PDC and, and everyone, everything that the players did as players, it, it, it couldn't have gone much better. I, I absolutely loved it and, and well done to Peter Wright, who thoroughly deserved it in the end. I completely agree. I'm guessing, though, there was a few nervy moments from, for you and, and Matt, obviously, and the, the first one that springs to mind was when Raymond tested positive because it's OK testing positive, well, it's not, I don't mean that it's okay testing positive in your hotel room, but when you've tested positive and, and just played, that must bring up a whole different set of questions and answers that you guys need to sort out. I mean, look, particularly from that side of thing, there's, there are always going to be nerves with that kind of thing. You, you know the way this, this virus has been with a lot in over the last couple of years and the fact that this new variant, we don't need to go into it in too much detail, it seems to be spreading a lot quicker. There are always going to be nerves and there are always going to be things that you looked at and thought, oh, no, not again. But ultimately, whilst you don't wish on any of the players that had to pull out what happened, we've had worries that, that it could have gone a lot further. It didn't. Again, people that have had to pull out, it, it's terrible. But 
there were times we sat there, particularly as you say, when, when the first one came through and we went, oh dear, what's going to happen next? But I mean, look, the, the safety of the players, the staff, the, the fans, it, it is paramount. It's not just something we say for the sake of it. I mean, the amount of work that Matt and the other, the, the other organisers go through to make sure everything is safe, it, you wouldn't believe it. It's not just something that's been bodged together and we hope no one gets it. We put people in the right places. We make sure people are in safe spaces. We make sure people are distanced when they can be. We make sure people are wearing masks. As you know, Phil, I was constantly walking around telling you to put your mask on, which in fairness, you always did. Uh, look, yeah, you should have had a to start it. with, but it's got our branding all over it, Phil. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 went, uh, it went as well as it could. And there were a few moments, as you say, that weren't ideal. But other than that, I think we, I think we got through pretty nicely. Yeah, look, I know, was there ever a worry or a contingency plan that if it had have spread to postpone the Worlds? I know it's not something that anyone would have wanted to do, but was that plan in place if it had have gone through everyone? Look, that sort of question, I know someone asked that to Matt the other day about plan Bs and things like that. It, it's almost impossible to have a plan B when we don't really know what the government are going to do. They, they, they dictate what plan B is. We don't sit there and go... Well, if they do this and if they don't, they tell us what's going to happen, then we change the rules. There's enough clever people working for this organisation that mean that when things need to change, they will. But you said it there, Phil, things like postponement, you don't just take the biggest event that we do all year and one of the biggest events in sport all year and go, right, we'll just move that a couple of days. Don't worry, Ali Pali will have us back. We'll have all the, the trucks from Sky back in, all our staff, all our players, all the fans. It doesn't work that way. It's not that simple. It's not that easy. And again, Things could have gone one way or the other in terms of the amount of players or staff or whatever that, that ended up getting it. We don't have to worry about that now, fortunately. But no, no that there, there wasn't plans to postpone. We didn't need to do it. No, that's that, that's that's fair enough. And this is one that's come up on social media. I know the answer, but obviously a lot of people don't believe it when I say it. That if either Michael Smith or Peter Wright had tested positive on the morning. The other, the one that didn't, would have been awarded the world championship, wouldn't they? There was nothing else that could have been done. Speculate all you like, Philip. You don't need to know the answer to that because no one had actually got it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> right, Michael Smith they had a lovely game of darts. Peter Wright won. Happy days. I went home, had a nice sleep. Spoken like a true pro, Jamie. No, obviously as well. We're in in your job, you're you're in the broadcast side of it and everything like that. Early indication on numbers for the World Championship. I know Eddie tweeted a few times saying numbers through the roof. You must be happy with the, with the way it all went numbers wise, then. Yeah. We're absolutely delighted. I mean, you, again, you mentioned there Eddie's tweet. It, it was the second highest peak we've ever had since Phil retired. That was the, the, the highest ever, but nearly one and a half million people watch it, watching a game of darts. I mean, we've all been involved in this sport for long enough to know that it, it's uh, it's our own little world, but it, it's a bigger world than we might have thought, eh? Oh, completely. And, I, and I'm guessing the, the continued growth in Germany as well. I know the German media were tweeting as well that numbers are great, and that must be something that excites you, that it is going into Europe like you'd hoped. Yeah, and, and with Holland as well, with RTL7, they're big partners of ours, or have been big partners over the last few years. We've built a great relationship with them and we will obviously be moving away from them. But the last tournament that, they, that they've had, huge, huge numbers. The same with the zone in Germany. They're absolutely delighted with the numbers that they've had. Sport One, who, who work alongside the zone, and the numbers are huge. It is such a global sport that's synonymous with the time of year. Everyone wants a part of it. And again, people can have their opinions on, on this, that and the other, the way it's run, what happened, who won, how it was won, all the rest of it. But the fact of the matter remains, everyone was talking about 
the World Darts Championship. And that is ultimately a big, big win for us. Oh, completely. I know one, like, I know you heard Gob talking about it whilst you were waiting, the, the crowd. Do you think it was a different atmosphere because we didn't have, obviously, the, the fans travelling from Europe like, like we normally do, and it was very much a, a UK or very much an English-based crowd by the sounds of it. A lot of it. I know Matt touched on the, the ticket barrier as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you've reasonably well summed it up there, to be honest, Phil. Again, people are allowed their opinions on this kind of thing, and, and, and I was listening before I came on about what you guys were saying. I mean, for me personally, I've always found adults booing to be a very strange thing anyway. But listen, people are allowed to, to, to do things like that. I think one of you mentioned about it, a wall of noise, and then if there are individual noises, then it does start to make a difference. I understand what you're saying there. And look, Phil, you know a lot of our security guys, and, and they've been working with us way, way before I ever started with the PDC. If there's ever anything going on that it isn't acceptable, they're straight in there to, to remove those individuals. We don't mess about with things like that. And again, people are going to have their opinions about the way certain members of the crowd or certain areas of the crowd or certain days of, of crowd participation, the way it went. But ultimately, I think it's very difficult to manage that number of people. And you said at the, at the top there, Phil, it was a predominantly English crowd who decided to support English, English players. Did sometimes some of the some of the behaviour slightly go over the top? I don't know if I don't know if I'd use the phrase over the top, but there were times where you, you could question what they were doing in terms of the way they were supporting players. But that's a personal thing where I just wouldn't sit at a sporting event and boo someone. I mean, I go to Tottenham. There's plenty of times to boo them. You know that feel, but I would never sit there and, as an adult and boo someone. I just think it's a bit of a a bit of a weird a weird thing. But yeah. The fact of the matter is it was a predominantly English crowd because of what you'd expect due to the coronavirus and the fact that, that travel was restricted. So very difficult for, for me to comment on what it would have been like. But we saw over the last few years that there, there are huge numbers of, of Germans that travel over. The same with the Dutch as well and, and a number of other nations in Europe as well. So I expect that to change next year. We, we hope we, that restrictions are, are lifted or changed or whatever it might be in various countries and people can, can come and enjoy the darts, whether they be from the UK or abroad. It's it's going to take time. We, we we know that in terms of restrictions, but this time next year, fingers crossed, we won't be talking about things like this. Definitely. And just touching on what you said there, what has the last year, eighteen months, been like for for you in the broadcast and the PEC? It must have been absolute hell, and moving everything and just moving stones constantly must have been an absolute nightmare. Look, I don't want to blow our own trumpet but i think we did pretty much as well as as we possibly could have done at, at the start of things we brought we brought the home tour in which i mean a lot of people wouldn't have thought was even possible at the start and we, we somehow managed to make that that work over 40 odd days of broadcasting which a number of broadcasters actually took around the world it's on tv in australia so i mean that worked but moving forward into into this year i've got to say that one of the days of the match i think it was the, the, the saturday the final saturday just going in there and having a crowd and hearing that noise. I got goosebumps standing there watching the walk-ons because it just felt so far removed from what we'd, we'd been doing over the, the previous year. There was absolutely nothing any of us could do to, to stop what had happened over that previous 12 months. But just standing there in Blackpool and listening to that noise, it, it is honestly something that, that I won't forget in a hurry because it just felt like, right, progress. And look, things have, have moved around and changed every now and again since then. But just to have that crowd back there and, and the crowd to be back at Ali Pali as well. It, it really does mean a lot to us. It looks much better on TV as well from my side of things. People want to see people enjoying themselves, getting involved. That's what made this sport so good. So, yeah, it, 
it's, it's been tricky. You know it has. You guys have obviously faced challenges as well in your own lives. It's not just big organisations or individuals. It's everyone involved together. So it's been challenging. It's been difficult, but we've learned so much from it. And I'd like to think as an organisation, we've grown all together and, and, and the future holds even brighter things. Massively. Before I let you go, your one moment from the World Championship, what stands out more than any other? Darius Labanowskis, nine dar. Oh, no, no, that is very Dan Dawson. I take it back. That, listen, that, that, there are so many amazing moments, but for me, the, the, the best moment was, was watching Peter win it at the end. I've known Michael Smith for years long before I started with the PDC, and I was I was gutted for him, but it's not something that I know he'll want to hear from, from anyone right now. But he is too good not to win something big at some point. But I just don't think you can begrudge Peter Wright winning that again. He's such a great player. He's such a great guy. Phil, you can testify to that. He, he'll yeah. never say no. He'll always help out. And he's such a brilliant player. Played a brilliant tournament. And the final, having had a final like that, that was so close. I mean, you boys can can have your opinion, but that's got to be one of the best finals we've had for a good few years. Hundred percent, it's right up there. Yeah. Banksy, absolute pleasure to have you on, mate. And thanks for jumping on. I know you've got busy, busy man outside of darts, but thank you very much for, for joining us for the first time on the Live Lounge. My pleasure, lads. Absolutely. Anytime you want me, give me a shout. No worries, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers. And that was Jamie Banks from the PDC. Whilst we tee up something, I know Mace is in the chat room. I've sent him the link. Mace will be joining us um, shortly. But a real good insight, boys, into seeing it from the other side for a change. Yeah, straight straight from the horse's mouth. Look, I think look, Jamie said Jamie used the phrase doesn't want to blow their own trumpet. I don't want to blow our own trumpet, but I think we're pretty good at praising the PDC when they get things right. And I think we're we're equally pretty good at holding them accountable when they don't quite get things right or having those debates and discussions where you don't just sit here and slag them off and, and have a pop at them. You understand we understand it from both sides, etc. And I think it's brilliant that in terms of sport, the, the PDC is so accommodating for media and for people to start. When myself and Jar started as just a podcast, it, they, they couldn't do enough for us and, and they're helping. But when Barry Hearn says there's no such thing as bad press and all press is good for them, they really mean it. They will try and accommodate you in any way that they can. So it's brilliant to, to get them on from Jamie. Matt always gives us time of day in interviews as well. There aren't many other sports where you can get access to the chief exec of the, the sport from something that we do as, as easily as we can, like Mount Porter. So, yeah, it's brilliant to have it from them, see how, how they feel it when. Yeah, it's, it's a good balance, I think. Yeah, no, 100%. And whilst we're doing that, go if you can fill for 30 seconds. I can indeed. I can try. Who's saying what in the chat? I'm G saying hello. Rose is in as well. Uh Lee says, I thought Darius was quite emotional when the double 12 went in. Obviously meant a lot to him. Yeah, didn't do a lot else after that in the tournament, did he? There's plenty of talk about moving the World Championships. And I saw Chris Mason telling a few of the crowd at uh, the chat room off for that, didn't you, Mace? <laughs> sure did. What a ridiculous <laughs> idea. <laughs> who, who knew that we've got all these, all, these promotional, all these promotional experts in there and Barry and Eddie here and ain't got a clue or Matt Porter. <laughs> what an introduction uh, yeah. that is, Dob. <laughs> Straight in. I know. Hey, I just, <laughs> professional we are, just tee him up like a game of volleyball. Um, tee him up or knock him down. 
Yeah. I bet you're glad glad to be home after the, the big brother house. Um, how did you find it this year compared to previous years? Was it that bad? Just like that, mate. Mate, 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 drops in the net. <laughs> well, I think the answer was I hated it, it was terrible, and I'm off. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll get Mace back in a second. Oh, there he is. My back again. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it, it was it was a toughie. It was a toughie, and of course we lost Paul Nicholson because he did a um positive lateral flow. Um so we all had to step in and uh take up the workload so yeah it was tough but really really enjoyable and it'll be a it'll be a world that will stick me with stick with me for a while yeah we, we, we touched on it earlier compared to last year when it was just us lot rattling around in there was was unreal and we, we summed it up earlier that from the quarterfinals onwards it was world class but before that maybe there, were, there, there was a few ropey ones in there yeah, we had a few inexperienced players in there. Uh, and I think, as you've already touched on a little bit earlier, there was not a lot of darts around the world. So they all suffered a bit. And, you know, the, the rest of the lads were fortunate that the pro tour continued. So they had a, they had a lot of action. Um, yeah, there was a few disappointing performances on the back of some very good performances. But that, that's experience. You know, that's, that's something you have to go up there and go through. You know, all these... You know, like most of you, I've probably read all the nonsense splattered across the pit of social media, calling Michael Smith a bottler, which is just, that's typical from somebody that's not stood up there uh, and experienced what it's all about. Most of them have probably never even stood on a county stage. And it, it, it you know, it just about sums up the septic world we live in. And, and the, the crowd is pretty much like that at times during the world. Yeah, just obviously looking at it. Have you got a moment that stands out that you remember commentating on that you, that you loved more than any of the others? Uh, the the Willie Ball and nine was just absolutely staggering. Um, I, I just don't. I don't think I'll ever forget that. I, I wasn't fortunate enough to be commentating on it. Paul nicked that one off me, uh, and then and then took the rest of the week off. Um, yeah, that, that was just yeah. Yeah, left left me with Paul Lim and Joe Mernon, I think. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was just it was just just one of those magical magical moment moments that I don't think any of us anybody that was there that's for sure. Never mind we're, we're watching it at home or, or down the pub or whatever uh, that you'll ever forget. It was it was just it was fantastic. As was the Michael Smith Eddie Price game and the nine in that. It was only marred. Um, you know, as I said, by this, I don't know whether it's a societal issue or, or whatever, but it, that was the only thing that, that marred what was a, a fabulous game. Yeah, and the, the race now for world number one is heating up between Gezi and Pizza. 20, 25 grand, isn't it? Uh, 15,250. 15. Not to be exact, okay. <laughs> I tweeted it yesterday. I was I wouldn't have known it. I was going to round it, and I was like, "No, I'll just get slated for it." So go exact. You know what social media is like. Well, you exactly. Yeah, someone will pull you up if you're a penny out. Um, yeah, yeah. It was. Um, 
Yeah, so the, the next, well, not the next tournament, of course, because sadly that one's still unranked. I wish they'd had a, another eight players to it and maybe another session or just jigged it about a bit because it would be nice if the Masters was a ranking event. Um, Johnny Clayton wishes it was anyway, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, it's, it's going to make it interesting. It's going to make the rest of the year interesting. First time in a while that Gezi Price's number one spot is going to be under severe pressure. And it'd be interesting to see how he responds from from the worlds. Yeah, oh, completely. Um, we'd seen from his Instagram, far from happy, but, but that's kind of common practice now that whenever he loses, that everyone's on on ice waiting for that Instagram post. But he will bounce back. Too good a player, not too mace. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he was in the greatest of form. Um, he won the slam, but almost sort of, I don't think Peter Wright was particularly special in that final. Uh, not the, the kind of form that we've seen in the world final, that's for sure. Uh, still a great win. Um, but yeah, I think he, I think he needs to spend probably less time worrying about what people think and, and more time on the dartboard. Do you think that's, something that's crept into the, the modern day dark player because Vincent said something very similar about Michael that if he puts darts first he'll win everything yeah of course we didn't have social media back in our day if anybody had a moan about you they had to write a letter and most weren't smart enough to do that so we didn't get any abuse um, yeah it's, it's just this new world we live in but put it this way if I was looking after a player they wouldn't have social media. I'd get them one of them old Nokia phones that you can just make calls on. Um, they would be banned from it because it there's 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 very little, there's very very little that, that's positive about it. Um, maybe if you're winning and they like you, they'll blow smoke up your ass. Um, but apart from that, I just don't see I don't see the appeal. Uh, you don't. Put it this way, you don't get any abuse on Facebook where people have to use their real name. If they want to go out of their way to create a fake account just to get it blocked, then that's up to them. But, you know, on Facebook, people are tend to be who they are. And it's funny, you don't get any abuse on there. But where people can hide behind a platform, Instagram or, or, or Twitter, then, um, yeah, I just don't think it's a healthy environment, especially when you're nowadays, you know, the players are put on a huge platform. Um, they are almost turning into superstars. So, we, you know, you just have to be a bit careful. And, and, and I just, like I said, I don't see what the benefit of it is. If, you, if, if it's for a commercial side, then get someone else to do it for you. Um, like most celebrities, actual real celebrities do. They don't, they don't run their own social media. If people think they do, they're, they're bonkers. They only ever see the good things because the rest of it is deleted by uh, their PR person. Looking ahead, Mace, as well, we touched on the Masters. How excited are you to be, to be back? And the tournament that sets the tone for, for the rest and sets the tone for, well, we say the Premier League. We're, we're still unsure on that at the moment, whether Cardiff is going to go ahead. Oh, have we lost Mace again? Is Mace wearing Dobbs old house? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, hang on, mate. What is that? There we are. We've done it back. Are you getting there, mate? Sorry about that. Um, 
Uh, the Masters. Yeah, looking forward to it and setting the tone for the rest of the year, this one. Yeah, well, that's, I think that's the delay in the Premier League, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I think the, the Premier League delay has been touched on a lot. Is I think there's concerns that three of the first four cities are at the moment can't host the events. Can you hear me now? Yeah, got you, mate. If this work, I'd be able to get some decent internet. This is the problem with living in the country. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, three of the first four cities of the Premier League are obviously in lockdown and can't host the events at the moment. I think it's very. You're all right, mate? Looks like we've lost Mace for a minute. Um, so I'll look what we can do. Sorry, mate, I can't hear you. We can hear you now, mate. Can you? Have you got us? No, looks like it's gone. The joys of technology. Uh, better, mate. Yeah, we, yeah we, we, we can just about hear you, mate. Playing in the background a minute, but as as Mace was saying, the um the, the Masters boys normally sets the tone. It does, but it's one of those events where, look, last year was brilliant for the Masters. The expansion and the fact that it ended up by luck. It, it, it wasn't planned. It was luck for the finalist, the winner, to get in that Premier League spot. It made the Masters relevant, and we were waiting for that for an awful long time when it's just been the top 16 not playing for any prize money a couple of players use it to tinker with setups that might be released throughout the year off the back of the world championships they'll probably have already had them darts for a while just not bold enough to go and use them in the biggest event now is a bit where they start switching up to, to get ready for the rest of the year i want the masters to mean something i bet johnny Cl well, yeah. it did mean something for johnny clayton but i just it needs to be more for the ranking. It needs to. Not a single player will sit there and tell you they want to. They're ready for the Masters. All the talk now is of the Premier League, because that's that's the next biggie. The Masters is okay. We'll turn up. We'll get our appearance fee. We'll disappear again. I'm. I'm it's brilliant if you're the player that wins it. But other than that, I think the players would often wish to do without it um, until there's something on it. No, that's fair enough. Right, let's go and dive back in to the Worlds. Um, we'll come on to this. We've put this up now, but the, the, the earlier rounds, because we've got just too much to cram into one, have you got a favourite moment of the earlier rounds? It, it is hard to move away from the ball and moment, isn't it, for... The nine, it was just so special. How it happened, when it happened, being the last lead, and what what people probably tend to for that is because it was a first round game. It meant so much more than if it was a second round game. It would just been another lead and put him three two in front. Um, 
and that's probably why it stands out more than potentially any other of the nines that we've seen at the Worlds or um, just the moment of it being so. It's hard to move away from that ball and moment for me. Spare a thought, by the way, for Nathan Rafferty at that point, who now has to go to Q School. Yeah. I I feel bad for laughing at that moment, but there there was so much talk around that match as well. They delivered a fantastic contest between two up-and-coming youngsters that really did give us that glimpse into the future or the the top level that the future can produce. I'm I'm not... There's still an awful lot of players at that level and and, in that age group and range that need to develop B games and learn how to win ugly, especially against the top players. But their top, top game when they're on it and produce is superb. Um, And yeah, look, there was an awful lot on that game, including... Rafferty going to Q school or not, depending on the result, if Brooks kept his card, etc. Um, and I think that just made it all the more intriguing. Yeah, 100%. Um, there was also a, a, a couple of disappointments early on. Got to say, Christoph Ratajski, not his best spell, shall we say, boys. A lot of talk. He was a dark horse. Didn't get over the fence. Dob, this one's yours, mate. Yeah, I bet it bloody is, mate. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, to be fair, I, I thought in general the seeds played really, really well. And if you had to tell me that two or, or three of the top guys were going to fall early on, if, if you turn around and told me it was going to be Ratajski, Dimitri and, and one other, whoever it, it may have been, I can't remember off the top of my head, like... Come on now. They're, they're more than capable players at the very, very top level. So it was surprising to see them fall. Who else did we lose? Oh, one of my highlights was Boris Coltsoff dancing. Please. That that game was incredibly entertaining. It's it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, there are certain players that get abused for acting like that way and, and get stick for it, but I think it's the character and the personality they carry with it. When it, when Michael Van Gogh first started doing it, he got exactly the same, mellowed a bit, etc. Gerwin Price is still very much in that that slot of, of being a target of it. Colts, of, I thought, was, was a bit light-hearted. It was entertaining, um, similar to Kim Hybrex of old, I think. Fired himself up, but played a good game on it when he needed to. That Kim Hybrex-Gerwin Price game, by the way, was superb as well. That was Kim of old. Um, Barney, Barney firing in a 170. That Rob Cross game looking like it was going to go deep. Rob Cross looking sharp. That, like I said, there were moments scattered all over the place in the early stages of this one. I think one as yeah, well Bob, to mention, Bob, when, you, when we were talking about C who went out, obviously Mensal went out by Suter, but then the performance of Suter and not, it was one of them where we're talking about it's not always the numbers that made the game. And Suter was involved in a couple of those where the numbers, looking at it from a stats perspective, wasn't great games. But the drama that unfolded throughout it and the big finishes that won a couple of those, not only against Mensal but Jose as well. Um, and the story that comes along with Alan Suter, obviously being the first year he's worth away from the board. Uh, that's probably one of the other ones that wasn't the early rounds but went into. Uh, that time between Christmas and New Year when no one knows what day it is of the week uh, was when Suter was having a lot of airtime and performing special things at special times. Yeah, I know we touched on this in the preview show and something I'm going to bring up 
how worried are we now for Devin Peterson? Being 3-0 by Raymond Smith. Look, don't get me wrong, Raymond Smith was one of the revelations of, of the tournament. But Devin looked gone. On that stage, the, the body language was he looked broken. And I genuinely thought that the equipment he was throwing would have looked better in the Olympics. Yeah, I wasn't convinced by the dart setup, but he'll know that he's tinkered and he'll know that more than than most. I think the situation he had with Raymond Smith is very much like what we've seen from Adrian Lewis over the past couple of years, Kim Hybrex, Barney when he was in trouble, in that you just want one game to get yourself into the tournament, even Glenn Durant to a certain extent. And when you, yeah. you're you not quite there or it goes t- close, but your opponent just keeps delivering. Raymond Smith was fantastic. Low to mid-90s mm-hmm. average, 40% or better on the doubles for the majority of the tournament, up until he lost to Mervyn King. And even then, through three sets, he, he looked fantastic. He, he just struggled a little bit with the distance, I think, at that point. And, and King up a, a, a tiny bit. When, when your opponent's basically putting in an Australian James Wade performance against you and you just want something to go with you, and you're not getting any scraps to feed off. You're not getting them second chances to reignite yourself in the game and in the tournament. It's incredibly difficult for someone like Devin Peterson, but he is one that needs to find that spark in his game again. When he's on it, his A game is fantastic, but we've lost the likes of uh, Yellow Classen's going back to Q school again. He's been in a very, very similar position to Devin Peterson in the last couple of years. And that would be a, a warning to Devin. Yeah, no, look, I don't, I don't disagree at, at all. Um, a couple of games before the we look at the the quarterfinals. In terms of stinkers, and on Wednesday the 29th of December, if you had told me Gary Anderson would have played in a semi final and averaged 102, I'd have asked you how much Ali Pally booze you'd have been drinking when. With all due respect, him and Ian White stunk the place out. Yeah, the the did it was. It was one you everyone was probably expecting Anderson to come through, but it was the manner that he came through that that just made you think he doesn't look like someone who's going to push to then the, the the back end and put in the performances that he did. And like says the semi final night, it's just it was a it was a, a stinker. Unfortunately, it was a. One that went seven sets that we'd have loved it to just be 4-0 and be done with, to be honest, and move on to the next one. But we had to sit through seven sets of what wasn't what wasn't a great game at all. Uh, that's one where the stats probably do show the game more than some of the others. And and, and funny, we didn't see those darts again, Gob. <laughs> I mean, him and Peter Wright both played within 24 hours of each other with the wrong darts. Called them both out. They both went back to their straight darts. So the next thing you know, they're facing off in one of the better semi-finals we've seen in the last decade. <laughs> I'm, I'm just here to do a service. It's like when I got the double quarter pounder with cheese back at McDonald's last year. That, that was all me on Twitter. I, I just called them both out and they delivered. Also, as well, one of the games of the tournament, and it's a shame that they had to meet so early, but Johnny Clayton against Michael Smith. What a game this was on, on the 29th. Yeah, look, I'll hold my hands up and say that Clayton was was the one player in the semi-finals that wasn't there that I picked. 
I'll back the other three. Just just to drop that into conversation to start with, by the way. 47 minutes. Four, 47 minutes that has taken. Everyone in the chat room. <laughs> You've been waiting for that. I haven't mentioned that I'm on the Fantasy League yet, either, Lee. 47 minutes. I know you mentioned it on social media. It's about six hours ago. So I was waiting for it within the well, first I thought I finished third and then they updated the stats overnight and I won the online darts fantasy league. So thanks for coming, folks. Been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, look, gutting that they went out. Pre-tournament, John and Clayton was a heavy, heavy favourite. Even up until that moment, Michael Smith looked good, but he still gave Clayton the edge in that match. But that was the moment, I think, that fans started to believe that this would be slightly different for Michael Smith. When you take out the most successful player of the year so far in the fashion that he did, in a tight tense game, if he blows him out of the water or Johnny Clayton doesn't really turn up, different conversation. But when you beat a man averaging 102 that has won four televised titles this year and is seemingly only culpable to losing to uh, Gerwin Price and Peter Wright, that was the moment where you looked at Michael Smith and went, that was an incredibly mature performance that maybe, just maybe, it's going to be a bit different this year. And that continued yeah. all the way up until the 10th set of the final. Yeah. And look, we've started something here as well. Shawnee Mack is in the chat room. Gob's in charge. In charge. No. <laughs> you, you, you know, this, this, um, this whole play on 25 and who's in charge is not going to go away for a long, long time. Um, James, welcome along. Um, Lee says also 47 minutes without talk of Fallon Cherry. All right. So now that I've dropped my big in, you're going to start talking about Fallon. Is that it? I had to go first. I've done it loads on, on, on Twitter and we'll, we'll come on to Fallon shortly um but whilst we do that i'm just gonna do that um i'm just gonna add in matt if you can hear me you need to turn your camera around you're upside down i'm about to put you live in a second <laughs> <laughs> the infamous creator of barry Keane himself yes and the, 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 the reason I'm bringing him in is because his emotions, well, I think he's just turned himself off to turn his camera around, his, his emotions in that first half, because he manages both Willie Borland and Nathan Rafferty. So you, uh, it's ecstatic for one, but then for the other one, it, absolute heartache. That's the problem in managing multiple players though, isn't it? Like, a lot of there, there are ever increasing size of management stables these days. It's not just one person manages one player. You don't really get that anymore. You get the odd player that's still running solo. Still upside down. Do you want to turn, turn your camera oh, around. Yeah. You're upside down. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear you. We, we... <laughs> Literally nothing. You know, you know, we sat here and promised everybody that this year would be different, and we yeah. get new intro, new background, and everything would go swimmingly. So, to be fair, we, we, I, I can hear Matt perfect, and I've got audio yeah, coming through from him. Yeah, I, I can hear Matt, and I'm in Matt and Eros, or is the right way up? 
Um, but yeah, no, look, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to Fallon when we talk about the, the, the Premier League shortly. Um, I teased everyone, didn't I? Um, but whilst, whilst we're waiting for, for Matt to, to rejoin us, um, massive shout out to Raymond Smith because he was one win away from a tour card. And from potentially a tour card, he had to accept it. That, that's a different I conversation. Because I don't. No. I think it so, would have. So does that, mean, the... does that mean he was just one down away from my top not having a tour card? Because that tour Correct. card would have done. If he'd taken to... the card. I think if Kai. No, if, had he wouldn't been... have taken it. if he wouldn't have taken it, he would have still done to an extra one at two still, wouldn't it? No, I think it would have. I think Max, Max would have retained Stayed it. on. Well, yeah, because if you had it back in, the next person, yeah. I think there's 30 yeah, cards made of one this year, by the way, which is one more than last year. Uh, but we'll get to Q School in a bit. I, I think if you could guarantee a minimum level of income for Raymond and Kai Smith, and Kai had a tour card as well, then I think that decision becomes a lot easier because two of you doing exactly the same thing. You've got your practice partner. It clearly works for them. It's a little bit easier to move everybody. When you've got Kai hoping for the, the no, same career path back home, but the other half of the planet and, and splitting the family up and that sort of thing, and all the work that Raymond Smith does back home, he'd already committed some of his prize money to uh, youth no darts in rise Australia. At all. And I'm upside down as well, which is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can hear you, mate. We can hear you. It has to be Matt's end because we can hear him. Yes. <laughs> and he's always upside down. Yeah, but at least this time he knew he was upside down. The first time he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. We'll get there in a minute. I'm, I'm saying it now. This is the final episode from the 2021 season year the next show will be different yeah. <laughs> this is the round yeah, this is yeah people have seen we've got a new thumbnail we're going to spend some time designing some new bits and bobs as well as as, as we go along um but whilst, whilst we're waiting for for matt to sort his his technical issues out um we'll we'll move on from the quarterfinals and when he comes back in we'll 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 speak to him but from the quarterfinals onwards, boys, the William Hill World Darts Championship was nothing short of sensational. Like you got nice one, uh, Link. Yeah, I would go from the quarterfinals, second aim onwards. First aim, maybe not so much, Phil, but second aim onwards. And yes. Um, then I, I, we saw. I can't say that because then people will say I dislike him. Okay. Oh well. Um, yeah. The, the, the well, the first time it just just because I guess we didn't see the level of nerves that we we saw before. Um, Wade sort of eased to victory at least. Then from then onwards, uh, well, Wade Wade does what Wade does, doesn't he? I'll double be very happy about that. But from then onwards, we then see this. Hello, mate. <laughs> the right there way up. Hello. Greetings. 
We've got him at last. Hello, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. Outstanding. Um, we were we, we were itching to get you on because talk us through your emotions versus Willie Borland and Bradley Brooks for so many different reasons because obviously the elation of the nine data for Willie, but then did you have a thought for Nathan as well afterwards? Um, it was it was the weirdest game because he was 2-0 up in the fourth and Bradley took like three good legs, two all. Then he then he was smashing it in the fifth. I was thinking, oh, he's won this. And then obviously he does the nine dart to the last leg. But yeah, obviously Willie's on a high and Nathan's texting me saying it's all it always goes wrong with me and stuff. And so yeah, it was a weird, weird, weird two minutes, but you know, Nathan can still get his card, so it's not all lost. But yeah, Willie, it's like he's gone from nothing to like mid card. Like more people know who Willie is than a lot of the players that got like to the last sixteen. It's crazy. Yeah, I was just trying to say, what, what was it like? Because in that moment, that the momentum was probably with Bradley going into that last leg. And then from, from nowhere, just the perfect, best way you're ever going to see anyone to win a match. Just, it was weird. Just like, hit the 180 and I was like, get in there, like a few swear words. And then, um, <laughs> and then he come back with a 134. You walk so after like, that first one. I thought it was a bit brave. <laughs> I was, yeah, and then um, and then he gave he gave it to large, didn't he? Then he hit the one seven seven. Then then he hit the two treble twenties. And in my head, I was just thinking, don't go inside. I wasn't even thinking he was ever going to hit it. Just don't go inside. Make sure you leave yourself three at twelves coming back. And then he hit it. And then it was like everything all in like one moment. But I've seen Dean Win Stanley at one there, and now Willie at one. It was yeah, it was crazy. How much has that changed the young man's career as well? Because fighting for his tour card, that must give him so much confidence moving forward. Yeah, well, like you say, it's given him a bit of a springboard. Probably not the same level as Fallon, but similarly, he went from like no Twitter followers to um, 32,000 in a week. He gets tweeted off every like sports star watching it. He got a lot of interviews, a lot of coverage, a couple of sponsors out of it. So it's, it's took him from, it's definitely took him up to the next level. But, you know, it might be a lot more pressure now because a lot of people know who he is. So he has got a top game in him. But as you saw in the second game, he has got he has got the capability of throwing in like a 79 average. And he's done that on the tour a lot. You know, he got to a last 16 and he was playing Aaron Beanie and played his worst game all day. No disrespect to Aaron. He, obviously, he got to a semi-final that day. But that was a big chance to maybe push on and, and get to a semi-final and, and he always has a bit of a shock in, it, in the games. His top game is very good, but, you know, he didn't have to, Sir weren't that great in that game. He could have easily, could have easily took a couple of sets in that one and, you know, it was, it was, it was the perfect first world championship really, mechanate yourself, win your game, but the pressure starts now because you don't want to just stagnate at the bottom between 45 and 64 because what does that achieve you know you need to do what rids has done and, and push on and get into the top 30 which is what i know he can do that but it depends on what he wants to do now really also good signs for for daryl fans and and daryl himself that we've seen some real improvements from where he was early on in the year to going ahead to this year in 2022 but signs that super chin is returning yeah, I mean, 
he could have easily beat Searle in that game. Searle chucks in a, a brilliant 104. Um, you know, he wins that game. He's got a, a you know, I'd say he'd be the favourite against Brendan. And then he's then all of a sudden, whether he loses or not in that final or not, he's he's in a final, he's in the grand slam, it pushes his ranking up. Um, but then obviously he plays well against Evans and then runs into Cross, who's unbelievable. But Dowell played well, just Cross seemed to be a dart in front. First set is on 120 after nine, Cross is on 80 after nine, and Dowell doesn't get a shot. And that's where his game's lacking at the minute, Dowell. His scoring's good, but he isn't taking out any big finishes to hurt the opponent. Like he had a couple of chances against Cross to really stick in a big finish, and Cross had three big finishes. Um, and Dowell, Dowell's finishes were on when Cross wasn't even on a finish, so like the 106 and the 116 didn't didn't affect the game. And you know, it's like last night Smith was the better player, but Wright took out a beautiful 81 and a beautiful 124 really at crucial times to win the match. And Dowell's just got to start doing that because in 2017 he was the best at it. But his scoring's there. He, he hits so many 140s. He's, he's the biggest 140 hitter in the world. I know he doesn't hit as many 180s, but look at his stats from the players' champs in the world. There's not many hit as many 140s as him. He just needs to finish the 121s and the 81s when he gets a chance. And you'll see him. He's 22 in the world. You 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 write down 21 better players in world darts than Dale Gurney, and I'll give you a thousand pounds because there isn't. What was it like the Worlds from a manager's point of view? I know there's been a lot of talk around the, the, the COVID issues, people failing tests. Peter Wright openly spoke about not wanting to stay in the hotel and everything like that. From from your point of view, what's the last two weeks been like? I mean, when I heard that that Van Gerwen had pulled out, you know, the people saying, why no MVG? And everybody was like saddened and stuff. But I was a bit gutted for him, to be honest, because, you know... He got a lot of stick on on social media for that picture, but you know, you can pick it up absolutely anywhere. You can be at reception and just wipe the floor, uh, wipe your hand with the reception, and you know, and you can pick it up. I mean, you can be as careful as you want, but people were saying lock yourself in your room. You still got to come out of your room to play. You still got to play in front of three thousand people. Um, you know, they're a victim of the government guidelines because none of them were really ill. Um, none of them were really sick. They just had something in the system that they probably wouldn't know they had unless they tested for it. So sometimes, you know, it's less than a cold. Some of these guys didn't have a sore throat. I've got a sore throat now. So I'm probably more ill than they were. And they have to pull out the biggest tournament in the world. And, you know, fair play to them because they were honest. They could have, you know, a lot of people, silliness was coming out that the players weren't honest, but two big names and Vincent's obviously not as high as Van Gogh or Chizzy, but, you know, I felt I'm really friendly with Roger and I felt really bad for Roger because, you know, he, I was gutted when Dowell lost, but at least you got to see him lose on the stage. And what if Gurin Price had got it and loses his top championship, um, without playing and it's not the PDC it's the government that have given these silly rules the PDC are only doing what they're being told to do they can't go against the government they're a darts company for god's sake you know it's not the PDC's fault they've got contracts with the Sky TV they've got 3,000 people coming out what are you supposed to do say it's cancelled for a week you won't be able to sell the tickets again it's just the way it is you've got 17 days of live TV booked in Sky want their content so it's the government that, that are sort of like 
dictating to to companies like the PDC and um, football as well. You know, 103 cases across the Premier League of games getting cancelled, and I don't think many players are sick. There's no real sickness in these players. I might be wrong there, but you know, I don't think they're getting ill. And your thoughts looking ahead to 2022 for your stable? Are you excited? Um, yeah, I'm excited for to see what happens now. Um, you know, Jamie Hughes was so unlucky. He played and he plays any other international qualifier and he wins and he probably goes deep. Um, the draw opened up. The unluckiest player in the world is Jamie Hughes. He's in Dimitri Vandenberg's half. He's playing Ray Smith with all due respect. You think brilliant. No disrespect to Ray. Then Ray Smith turns up and takes out the kick again. Big finishes, killing players. It's always the same. You need to you need to take that punch. But Jamie's playing well. Ricky's playing well. Dow's playing well. And um Willie's playing well. They're the four that we've got on tour. But you know, Q School could be interesting. Eight eight players going in. I expect to get at least three three of the lads through. Uh, Nathan Carroll, um, James probably being the three that you you talk about, but you know you've got Nathan Gervin who can play. Um, uh, Steve Burton, he's pretty good, um, but you know you just got to get on the talk. Steve Burton and Ryan Sir were level three years ago. One missed out the car by five hundred quid. One kept it. One's had something to practice for, really kicked on, and one's had nothing to play for through COVID and let it get to him. It, it, it's just a matter of confidence. You see Johnny Clayton going from zero to um, the best, not zero, but mid-card to top, top player, world championship contender. All it is is confidence. They all, they all can play. It's just some, you, a lot of players think they can do it. And as soon as they know they can do it, they get up there. Jose de Souza. There's, there's, there's loads of them. That, as soon as they know, it clicks. I'm not sure if you're still working with him. I know someone that you tipped up last time Shane McGurk at Q School sorry I forgot all about Shane uh, Shane's had COVID and has been really ill um, but he hasn't played he started to play again he, he said he's knocking in this time last year he was knocking in a lot of 100 averages um, but yeah I mean Shane 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 was so unlucky last year he lost to Baggish he missed double top off a of 120 or an 80 but to be honest with you it's probably good that he didn't get it because it would have been a nightmare from Republic of Ireland coming in over all the time. It would have been staggered. Maybe now's the time to get it. Everything happens for a reason. Like, um, Bradley Brooks takes out that one three four with Willie sat on 60 to stop him winning the match. Do you think that's the worst thing that's ever happened to him? The reason that happened, so the best thing in the world could happen to him. So you don't know what it's for. But everything's, everything happens for a reason. I'm a big believer in, in fate and... Uh, Whatever's going to happen happens, and, and it doesn't. You don't know the reason until it shows itself. Matt, absolute pleasure. We have our Q School coverage planned as well, and you're more than welcome to come and jump on because Barry Keane has stuck ever since that that time you've jumped on. So more than welcome to hop on during Barry Keane. Yes, listen. Though my, I think. Um, well, I hope for it for how much bad luck he's had and how um, well he's stuck in the last three months. And the amount of times I've been bigging him up, telling everybody who listen how amazing he is. I just hope Nathan Rafferty comes through because he's had a lot to deal with and he's dealing with it. Um, and he's a good lad. 
with you. I saw him at the live league. Spent a lot of time with him. Top, top lad. Yeah. Matt, absolutely. Right, nice. Thank you very see much. You soon. And we'll see you all very, very soon. See you later, mate. Bye. That was Mr. Matt Ward. There we have it. Right, back to the World Championships. A nice little insight from him. Right, where We're not finished where, the World Championship. Where, where right, back to this. Like, like we were saying, first one, one to forget about. But this is when vintage Gary Anderson started to show his head gob against Luke Humphreys. Straight barrel darts. Good darts, Gary. <laughs> I, I can't lie, it, and I've said this a couple of times on <clears throat> on the fallout. The minute this semi-final lineup transpired the way it did, from a the fan in me was very very happy. The four players, I got a lot of time for all four of them. Have followed their careers greatly from way back before I started doing media, and, and still have stronger emotions to them winning darts matches and tournaments than I do for a lot of other players. It, it's just natural. It, it's unavoidable. We try it, and we we give us unbiased opinions as possible but there's still a fan in you somewhere that wants certain players to win the minute that four lined up the way they did in the semi-finals i was a giddy 14 year old just happy to see it again but one concern was somebody had to lose the biggest game of all because all four of them i think had an argument for wanting or even needing to win the tournament this time around peter Wright is probably the, the lowest on that ranking of needing to win the tournament this time around given his stature in the game his ability at the minute the fact he's been to God knows how many titles back and forward in the last <coughs> few years, etc. He's up there. Wadey was at the point where if it didn't happen this time, does it ever happen? Michael Smith being so near yet so far, start something different. Gary Anderson is, is clearly on his way to just fishing full time, but still loves to rock up at Alexandra Palace. And what a story that would be that the man that doesn't practice is the best player in the world at that point. So look, it was a fantastic lineup, but yeah, Gary switching back to those darts. I, I don't know an analogy for it, but the fact that he's better with those darts, Peter Wright is better with the straight darts, whether they like them or not, I don't think what they like is relevant. They're good with something. Stick with it. We'll come on to that one. The third quarter final. This was maybe the one opportunity Peter Wright gave the field. And this man broke broke out into the world of darts. We all knew that he was a wonder kid from the northeast of England, but he has now arrived in world darts, what he did at this world championships. And there was one dart at tops and you physically heard it clip the bottom wire against Peter Wright. And I think that was to go four two up and Wright made it three all gob if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but what a tournament for this young man. Yeah, but fantastic, fantastic tournament, fantastic performances. Even even the manner of his defeat to push, obviously at the time we didn't know, but the world champion all the way uh, in that one. It was just, it was what we what a lot of us have seen and followed on the Pro Tour, and it was just in bringing that to the main stage, and he brought it to the biggest stage of all, and had an incredible run. The fact that we was. I know a lot of the World Championship, we do go into conversations about the Premier League. The fact that the man wasn't even mentioned about the Premier League before the tournament and come this sort of stage, we're thinking, well, does, is this time enough? Is it just one more time after this? And that shows where we came from, from winning a Pro Tour, a couple of Pro Tours, to now talking about him being in that mix for the top 10. So 
it just showed what a what a fabulous tournament that Tannerid's had. Yes. Who's, who's talking about Tannerid's to be in the Premier League? Too many people. <laughs> I, I was sat with you watching it. Still, I was sat with you watching this day, and it was certainly certainly came up once or twice. <laughs> um, I know, boys. Uh, evening, Charlie. A few in as well. Then moving on to the last one. <laughs> The champion was dethroned by Michael Smith in a nine-set thriller on New Year's Day. And this one had a little bit of everything. Yep. Including me smiling. <laughs> no, joke. I'm biased. I'm biased. That's, that's the way we go. Yeah, look, a fantastic <laughs> game. That look, we, we touched on this a little bit earlier. Possibly the performance of Michael Smith's recent career, if not an extended bit, to go out and take out the world number one, the reigning world champion in the world championship in the fashion that he did from behind, keeping his cool, picking off finishes under pressure is not something you ever really attribute to Michael Smith. And after beating Johnny Clayton in similar fashion to take out to take out that Welsh duo back to back. Michael Smith's run to the final, by the way, is insane. But to take out that Welsh duo back to back at that point as well was was staggering. It was it was superb from Michael Smith, and it, it's that moment, despite the fact that he goes on to lose the final, it, it's those back to back performances that reassures people that he is going to win a big one. He has to win a big one. He's far too good to not win a big one when he produces performances like that. Is pure and simply the genius of Peter Wright that turned that final around. Agreed. We'll come on no, to that. No, but on, I think on that one, and I, I know we're going to come on to it next, but I think it's not just the back-to-back ones. It's the level of the performance. I know his favourite down into that semi-final, but it's also the level of performance in that game when we've saw Michael Smith before putting a huge performance at the Worlds and then not follow it up. As have many, many players, uh, it's not just yeah. the, it's not just something for Michael Smith. The fact he followed those two up with another, like says, he was favourite, he was expected to win that semi-final, but the manner of then how he performed in that one as well was was just outstanding. Moving on, semi-finals, 96 came. There was only four remaining. And somehow, I'm, I'm not quite sure how you get to a world semi-final with a tournament average of, was it 88 and, and eight 180s? But James Wade found himself in the final four. But even before a dart was thrown, Gob, I know you're his biggest fan, but every stat you looked at said Michael Smith was going to give him a caning. Yeah, and he pretty much did. Uh, look, James Wade making a semi-final, is, he is the only player in the entire field that could have done it in the manner that he did it. Let's put one thing out there. Pre-tournament, <laughs> in the last few months, didn't give James Wade a hell of a hope at this tournament. He hates the format, he hates the venue. It's got scar tissue for him. Um, ironic that the person he's having a pop at is the person you could compare him to most in this tournament, I think, um, towards the end of it. Um, but yeah, look, only James Wade can put himself in that position. Oh no, he, he's not comparable. Throws <laughs> Michael Smith darts. The other one. Um Look, he started too slowly, and it was the same case of what we've been saying about James Wade for a long, long time. Whatever level he starts a match at is what he's going to finish the match at. 
and he started a level below Michael Smith, who maintained an exceptional level throughout, and he got punished for it. There was the back-to-back sets where you thought, mm, maybe is this it? And it was potentially a set away from really causing Michael Smith some trouble. And us seeing that Michael Smith bottle as much as we want to see it, because he'd been in tight, tense games where it's there constantly. He hadn't really been in a game where he ran away with it, got real back in, and then you start getting a little bit tense at the fear of throwing it away from a good position. And James Wade was a set away from forcing that, but he was never quite there scoring-wise. And, and every time that Michael Smith needed to, he just put his arm out and, and pushed away from James Wade and kept him as, as far back as he possibly could. Is, is this the problem that, that James has got, that he can't go through the gears like the other players? That mid-game, yeah. Anderson, Smith, Wright, Price can go through the gears, where, where James doesn't seem to be able to go through them during a game. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because to say that he doesn't have that top level is a bit of a myth. We we saw it earlier in the year when he won the UK I'm, Open and we I'm, saw I'm it. I'm not saying that's 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 the top level, but no. he can't. But I think that is something that gets... Get no, I think that is something that gets thrown around about James Wade is that you're only ever going to get a mid-90s average. And even I've been that, that guy before saying you're not going to get 102, 103 average from James Wade. It does happen just not as frequently because you have to start the game like that and you have to stay on top of the game like that if you're James Wade. There is no change of gear. And I, I, I don't know why. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know the logic behind it. Every other player in the world seems to have ups and downs. They can switch it on one minute. They're, they're dropping at a different minute. It, it's staggering that James Wade will just plateau for an entire game because nobody in the world can do that every single time they step on stage. They have good legs. They have bad legs. It, it's It's crazy. Then the other one, the all Scottish affair. And that picture there sums up Gary Anderson's year. In, in truth, going into the World Championship, did Gary Anderson deserve a spot in the Premier League? No. Do, did we think Gary Anderson was going to get to a World Semi-Final on the form that he'd shown? No. But... That that was the that that was your fan god talking, not looking no. at numbers and stats. No, that was looking at the way the draw went. Because I I knew that Chris Dobie was going to beat Michael Van Gogh, and I didn't think he was going to beat him before he stepped on stage. But I knew Chris Dobie was going to beat Michael Van Gogh. <laughs> only, only you, well, there's only you in this world who will claim that as a win. Even Chris Dobie won't claim that as a win, but you will. Say it all, Dom. Say it all. No, that's why I picked Gary. I'm just explaining the logic behind getting three out of four semi-finalists correct. It's just just remarkable how this man rocks up at Alexandra Palace and finds it when he needs it. Because there were spells in the Peter Wright game where it was vintage, Gary. Yeah, it was everything around the day. It, it was an outstanding semi-final. I know there's been a lot of talk um, after the semi-final in comparisons to others, and I'm not sure for me if it was the you know the greatest or what. But it certainly it was a talking point because it was a contender because of for me what Darry Anderson turned up. We saw Peter Wright put that level in performance against Talon Ridge, and I think everyone expected that. And it was down to be Darry Anderson who determined how the day this was down to be because of the standard that Peter Wright had set the, the day before. And I think the, the change of darts that uh, Dobbs alluded to had a massive impact. That was for both players. 
Um, but it was just the start that was enough to see Peter right over the line. That that free set lead was just too much for Derry Anderson to fall back. But we'd love to see that from set three onwards. We'd love to see that Derry Anderson for the, the Premier League and throughout all the other events because standard-wise and quality-wise and everything at the 180s with just total ease and not a tear in the world is just such a joy to see. I just wished he loved darts like Michael Smith does. Could yeah. you imagine? With the ability... He, even if... Even if he just, even if he just loved Smith it for like three months, just a few months... Just a just short period. He loved it. It'd be great, even if it's all aspects of that. It'd be. Awesome. I, I thought after the way that he spoke last year, we were going to get that Gary just for a year, just to yeah. to push on and, yeah. and have a crack at it and go. Do you know what? I might walk away at the end of next year, but for the next year, I'm going to give it absolutely everything. And I hope he doesn't walk away without one year where he just goes. Do you know what? I want this, and I want to go down in a, the the biggest blaze of glory he can possibly imagine, walking away with two, three, four titles in a year and going, ha, you're not even going to get a chance to take them off me. I'm just going to dish them back. Because that would be the most Gary thing in the world because he still has the ability to rock up barely practising whatever else that he, he does or, or doesn't do. The fact that he stays so high in the world rankings without playing any Euro tours is ridiculous when you consider how heavily weighted they are compared to a pro tour. And then he just rocks the up at TV events, does what he does and <laughs> whatever the most Gary Anderson thing ever will be tomorrow when he's led on a beach oh yeah we weren't he wasn't missing his holiday he told us that <laughs> very true so, um, so we had a final and we were either going to have a first time world champion or a double world champion and I don't like putting this image up but I've got to Heartbreaking, yeah. Because I, I think it's, it's, I, I think I tweeted, I think I tweeted it out that, in my opinion, Michael Smith was the better player, but Peter Wright did the big moments and hit more big moments in the final. Was the better player for nine sets? I, I can't, I can't say that Michael Smith was the better player for the entire match because. From 2 0 down in set number 10, Peter Wright averaged 115 for eight legs. Yeah. I'm still in the centre of the whole. As a whole, yeah. Across across the 12 sets, I think Michael Smith played better, but Peter Wright did the better moments and the bigger moments at key times for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. I can see your point, Dob, in the sense of those three sets. There's a, the talk about Michael Smith being in, a, in that sort of situation and not seeing the game out. If anyone just wants to watch three sets of fabulous darts by one player, just turn that on at 2 0 oh, Michael uh, Smith in set 10 uh, the, and the see what Peter sets. Wright's done. And Peter for, Wright's unplayable. For that Michael, was Peter Wright for the match play, the last three sets. Yeah. Yeah. The, for me, in, in that sort of that part of a game, there's probably only Derwin Price and MVG who I've seen before in such big events putting that run towards the end and no one and win something, firing them, firing them numbers. They're probably the only two who could have then matched them. Um, but generally, overall, I agree that Michael Smith over the 12 sets 
looked the better player. It was just Peter Wright turned up after switching his darts however many times to get to the ones that he was comfortable with that night and he found them at the right we, time. We lost Ken. How many times he switched between the two sets? Literally lost Ken. And, and, and it wasn't just the, the switching of the darts. I mean, that's a Peter Wright thing. It, it, it's not a major difference. He obviously felt whatever he needed in those moments. It was... He just looked knackered. I don't know where it came from. At 4-3 up, Michael Smith was never losing that game. Peter Wright was starting to throw on the 19s because he was struggling to keep the dart high enough. He looked like he didn't want to be there. His, his troubleless visit started to creep up incredibly. And then all of a sudden... He just flipped a switch that we were literally talking about five minutes ago that James Wade doesn't have. Peter Wright has it, yeah. and he can switch it on whenever. And from 2-0 down, when he needed it most, he looked like he was about to be 6-4 down in the match. Absolutely massive. He goes and runs off yeah. three straight legs. Eight. Well, it turns into eight straight legs, 115 average. Marcus stops her up with a 15 dart, I think, and then Wright wraps the match up with another five-visit leg. I think in that run... Michael Smith had 12 darts, 9 darts, 12 darts, 12 darts on the Peter Wright throw. Try breaking that when you need to stop the rock. Yeah. And there we have it. The picture of Peter Wright collecting his second world title. couple of questions for the chat room. I'm going to play a quick clip of Peter Wright in a second. But chat room, time to get involved. I would like your performance of the tournament, your moment of the tournament, and your breakout moment or breakout player of the tournament. Been quite demanding tonight, I think. And if you can type all them, you can click the like button as well. Yeah, and before I play this, we are six subscribers from 19K. So you know what you've got to do. Can you get us to 19K before the end of the live lounge? But here we've got a quick 20-second clip of Peter Wright. The full interview is over on our channel, which you can watch after the live lounge. Obviously, you know, I've got her back. Well, I know, I know Sid, but I, I, this is my lady. <laughs> this is a lady. And uh, five. Uh, I'm definitely, uh, uh, I can win another three. Yeah, yeah. Death before I'm too old. Peter Wright dropping bombs that he wants another three world titles. I, I, I genuinely think you'd be foolish to argue against him. Don't get me wrong, the era is extremely competitive. You expect Gerwin Price to bounce back. You expect Michael Van Gerwen to bounce back. You expect some of the youth to come through and start pressuring um, James Wade, Michael Smith. But at the moment, if Peter Wright wants to win a tournament, Peter Wright wins a tournament. There is no doubt of how consistent that Gerwin Price has been for the last couple of years to make himself world number one. He has been exceptional, solid. He played in literally everything and he mopped up at will. And Peter Wright chopped and changed his darts occasionally, tinkered, etc. If he wants to win a tournament, Peter Wright will win a tournament. He earned £900,000 last year. He will be world number one. I have absolutely no doubt about it because of the amount of money they're both defending by February, March. It would take an almighty effort from Gerwin Price to defend that. I'm just not sure it's going to happen. 
And once he is world number one, he's literally achieved pretty much everything. He's got to go after the slam, which would be interesting because obviously Price holds that again. But well, there is... If you listen to his full media, there's one trophy that he wants in 2022. There is. The one that won't make him world number one, Rob. The Premier League. That's the Premier League. Yeah. Go and win the World Series, mate. It's the same. People might not like it, but in the players' eyes, the Premier League is the second biggest tournament in the world. Because the players have been told it is for the last God knows how long to push the importance of the event. I don't want to get into a massive debate about the Premier League right now, but for the last 15 to 20 years, the Premier League has been about the top 10 players in the world beating lumps out of each other week in, week out. The Premier League has gone stale. They've tried to mix up with the contenders. And only now is the narrative that it's an exhibition event actually being pushed by those in and around the sport, because that was always a hush-hush, you can't say that, for a long, long time. It is an exhibition event now, because everybody knows it's gone stale. And to me, that devalues the achievements of Taylor, Van Gerwen, etc. in the past. It, it, the minute that you accept that this is an exhibition and start pulling in potentially players outside the top 25 again, you start looking at players of outdoor cards, potentially looking at changing the format and whatever else, that's no longer the same event. You tell the players that. Anyway, moving on. There are plenty in there. Right, moments. And boys, have you got yours? So, oh, You didn't ask us for ours. You asked the chat room. I'm yeah, you ready. No, no, no. I'm Did just you? doing the live subscriber count. Did you? Um, I don't remember that bit. Yes. Must have been on mute then, mate. <laughs> so, mo- moment of the tournament. I I think most people are going to be in agreement of the moment of the tournament. Yes. James Webb. Incorrect. You have to do something James good Wade. to be in the moment of the tournament. Not average 83 and 84. Willie Bourne's nine data chat room. Are we all in agreement that that is the moment of the tournament to win a game? Yes. Yes, for me. One of the best. Yeah. Yeah. So, breakout. I I think most people are going to agree with this as well. For me, Callum Rids. Yeah, the the only other the only other name I was sort of looking at, but it it can't be through as a breakthrough because he's been in the quarterfinal before was Luke Humphries because yeah, I just I'm, think you, he's you, the step. So if Talon Ridge, it has to be for me. Yeah, the, the the only other one that I thought about was Raymond Smith. Raymond, yeah, 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 yeah. But Callum, there's part of me that wants to put Michael Smith in there as well because if whilst I, he if has I been if I can't have Humphreys, there's no way in this world that you can have Michael yeah, Smith no, has been no in the world in the the year. Not a chance. It's just the quarters and the semis, uh, the the three games, the the Clayton Price way. Like when Harry Kane won Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year, not having it. When you win Player of the Year, you ain't winning the other one as well. 
ridiculous. I was going to say, you'll be saying, Peter, right now, for his form in between the match play and the players' championships and saying, well, we didn't see it coming. <laughs> Crap. Again. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to throw you all another curveball. Chat room, get involved. What was your match of the tournament? Because I think this may be debated a little bit more. Have we not got performance as well? Yeah, yeah but I'm match of the tournament as well. It takes two to have a good match. There's a few in there. Yeah, there is certainly. Yeah, that's what I mean. This all, this all, this all split a little bit more. I thought Gary Anderson's got two contenders in there. Him versus Rob Cross and him versus Peter Wright. They were both exceptional games. Gerwin Price is the same. He's got two in there. Michael Smith against Gerwin Price and Kim Hybrex against Gerwin Price. I thought that was an absolute belter of a game early on. Johnny Clayton's got two in there as well for me. Michael Smith and King Barry. Brooks versus Borland was superb. It was two youngsters going at each other at their top level, which is brilliant to see. Nobody really dropped off in that one. Um... Anything else I really like the look of? Gurney Cross. Gurney. Rob Cross. Rob Cross yeah. just loves a, a scrap. Lewis Campbell, right at the start. That wasn't a bad match, you know. Lowby as well. Lowby O'Connor. Call him Joe Mernon. Absolutely <laughs> not. I knew that was good. <laughs> That's up there with Mickey Mansell and Jim Long. <laughs> A weird one. <laughs> Hear me out. Ryan Joyce versus Roman Benneke. Because Joyce was so comfortable. And just for that moment, you thought, yeah. it's a bit Rene oh, yeah. against against yeah. Michael Van Gerwen a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, actually, this one's brought the chat room to life as well. Yeah, Lewis Holtz Campbell's off. in this. Who did play? Jermaine Watamina or Dirk? Dirk. Dirk. Coltsov yeah. versus Dirk. I was very, I can't lie, I was very, very shocked when that got a Sky promo. But I'm glad it did. Yeah, definitely. For me, my, my, my one is Smith Clayton. I could have watched that all night. I'm going to go. I, mine, mine would probably be right reads. I just love that day. Yeah. The, le- the level of what the level of what reads was, and that was with a lot of these. It's we sort of knew what was in that from right. It was what reads brought to it the table, and it was just sensational for it, wasn't it? So to, for that to go all the way, um, even in that last set, uh, that was probably the one that will stand out most for me. I suppose we're going to have to ask this question now. Where does this put Peter Wright in the all-time list? Now he's a double world champion. Has the match play. Chat room, get involved. Does this elevate Peter Wright into your top 10 of all time? Same question to you, boys. Does that now... It puts... It certainly look, he's in the question. Has to be spoken about. Does that do enough to tip him into your 10? And if so, where does he go? 
there's there's a couple of things here. First of all, I think we have to be careful with with recency bias. The fact that he's he's playing now, it's difficult to just overlook the old school players yeah. before the split, etc. Some of the characters from the video, but at the same time, I genuinely think his career on the hockey is more impressive than Raymond Van Barneveld's right now. I'm not convinced. It's very, very close. I just... Raymond spent an awful lot of time, especially in the PDC, becoming a... a don't get me wrong, beating Phil Taylor, the impact he made when he moved over, changed the sport, right? In terms of impactful players, you will definitely struggle to find somebody who had a bigger impact on the sport, yeah. making it a global game, than Raymond Van Barneveld. He literally changed the face of the sport. He made it something that wasn't just played in the UK. To, to take a sport that wasn't played through the English colonies like cricket, etc., and, and make it global with the impact that Barney did, you will struggle to find a player that had that impact anyway. You don't just suddenly take a sport global, maybe snooker and, and Ding Zhongwei and James Wattener, etc., and, and that burst mm. as well. But again, very, very similar. But the impact that Barney had, superb. Four world titles in the video. Okay, arguably the tougher organisation at the time because it was competitive all the way through. But at the very, very top end, the best players were still in the PDC. The best three, four players in the world were still playing in the PDC. And he, he avoided Phil Taylor for an awful long time. Don't get wrong, gets the best of him when he comes over. But once he does come over and he wins the UK Open and the World Championships, after that, Raymond Van Barneveld spent an awful lot of time of a, as a player who, in the conversation of winning a tournament, was if he turns up, if he gets going. Peter Wright's a threat to win tournaments with his B, C game. He's in contention to win it no matter what he throws, no matter what mood he turns up in. He went for an awful long period of not getting over the line and, and has created an absolute monster right now. For me, back to the, to the initial question of top 10, I wouldn't put him above Barney. But I know we had the conversation before about Barney being in the top five. And for me, I had him on the borderline of that across fifth or sixth. And for me, that probably answers because I don't have right above Barney yet. But he's awfully close. And by the end of the career, I expect him to. I probably have Peter Wright about seventh or eighth on my list, which for me is in the top 10, but not quite above Barney. But I bet, I bet that. There'll be argument with it. The, the five world championships, four with BDL. It's just the fact of the BDL back then was a lot more difficult to, to win that. Um, it was throughout the entire tournament. You didn't get an easier ride yeah. at the back end of it. But I think once you got yeah. into it, the likes of Taylor, Priestley, etc., were better caliber. You had Burnett, you had a couple of yeah. others in that BDL organization that were competitive, but at, at the very, very top the top boys were still in the PDC, and I still think there's a little bit of a shine on that. Um, the issue I've got is that if you start looking at their careers in numbers, Peter Wright's career is going to start comparing with Gary Anderson very, very quickly, and I have Gary comfortably above Barney. And when you start looking at it like that, and the fact that Peter Wright is quickly approaching what Gary Anderson has done, 
It's difficult to not but put them above Barney when they are so similar. Yeah, and it, the, the problem with... Go on, Phil. Go on, boys. No, go away. All I, all I was going to say is the problem with it with these is a lot of the you sort of your top tens, you're always going to be comparing eras and different sort of competitions. I.e., in 10 years' time, we're going to be talking about Barney winning four BDOs and someone potentially winning four WDFs or four MAD titles or whatever the equivalent is at the time that makes it a lot more difficult to compare it in numbers if it's just someone who's had a PDC career against another PDC career. If you are doing a PDC comparison of Wright and Barney, then for me, obviously, Wright goes above. That's what probably makes it a bit more difficult to compare the numbers and the stats and all them in that. That's why I just have him below, but I think we will have a bit of a, a mixed, and I can see we've got a bit of a mixed chat room on that on those two and plenty of I've other got, players. I've got my top eight comfortably. It's nine and ten I can't decide on. Feel like we're doing Premier League pizza then, Phil? <laughs> no, no, it's just Premier League, honestly. Oh, steady, we'll right. set them off. Um, <laughs> right. I can't make... I think Wright does go into my 9 or 10 spot. I just can't make up my mind where. Well, who's the other uh, person in the turn? I don't know. Where, where I'm slightly older than you, guys, mine may have a little bit of a different feel. Yeah. So, MBG, Taylor, Bristow, Ando, Barney are my top five. Adams at six, low at seven, Priestley at eight. I am going, I've made my mind up. I'm going jockey at nine, right squeezes into ten. There's an awful lot of Scottish people in there, considering they get battered everywhere they go. <laughs> <laughs> only recently, only recently since the uh, <laughs> just won the world cup. Marcus says, "How can Adams be at six? Because he's one of the greatest players ever to pick a dart." The the one the one thing we are all doing though, by the sounds of things, we are all agreeing that Peter Wright is now in the top ten. You was on that one, the dog. I think so. We probably have him slightly higher than Phil, but Phil's got a lot, of, lot more Scottish in there than us. So, but we all seem to be on agreement, and I think a lot of people will. Because he looks like a Scottish character from a Myers film. To, to if, be fair, it's, if, if, it's, it's where I'm slightly older than you guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I'm saying. I think if he's not in people's top ten, he's very, he's very, very close to being in there. God says, if not, he'll be in plenty. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, Henry says, where's part rank? Part, I think Wright has just knocked part out for me. I think part's one of them players that perhaps doesn't get the attention that he deserves. Yeah. But his, his world titles were okay. I don't think they were... Look, winning a world title is impressive no matter what you do. Like You yeah. absolutely cannot yeah. shrug your shoulders at it. But the way that the field opened up for him a couple of times to do so... Um, and the fact that he literally won bugger all else is an issue for me. Yeah. No respect um, from the war. 
Don't start that, Shawnee Mac. Marcus said that he never played a professional game. I think you'll find that the BDO World Championship was called the BDO Professional World Championship. You would never agree with that unless you were trying to make this point, Phil. Stop it. No. But Stop look, it now. Stop it no, now. No, no, I'm, I'm putting you I'm putting your leg. But all I'm saying is, even in the WDF, <laughs> a lot of the top players are professionals. Just because you don't play in the PDC doesn't mean you're not a professional. Yeah. Does um Phil, does Martin Adams move up a spot or two if he wins the World Seniors in a month's time? No. <laughs> I'll make that. Um, right. Yeah, I just thought I'd drop that in there. That was my way of dropping it in there, Dom. Sport to 10. Think... We haven't discussed Q School. We haven't discussed the fact that WF have postponed say, I... their world championship. Say, we think, haven't done any sort of question that... time, and you two are I laughing that... about whether the BDO is professional or not. <laughs> I, 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 I think that Welcome box back, is off. folks. Yeah, welcome to 2022. Uh, I think that Who's in charge? Yeah, I am now. Yeah. I'm taking yeah. over. Yeah. One, one, one second. Uh, Dob, let's do 40, 45-minute fallout bars. I remember watching a few of those that run over and over my friend. <laughs> An hour and 20 for me and Cam. <laughs> when you just put me and Cam on a chat, Jesus. The boy can talk. <laughs> um, that box is off the 2022 world championship and now we're going to move on there's a couple of other things that have happened we're going to stay on the world championship theme and i'm going in here i don't care brace yourself folks right now here we go right now should be on however it was cancelled postponed on december the 15th due to covid issues i'm not having it it was postponed due to poor ticket sales because Bob Potter realised he was about to absolutely do his conquers because the prize money he'd put up and the ticket money wasn't there to cover it or make a profit. They pre, In my opinion, they preempted that Boris was going to put us into lockdown and there wouldn't be any fans there, so they had a get-out. But now the decision looks ridiculous. The PDC Worlds has done. We've had full capacity. We've still got full capacity at everything this weekend. So the whole tournament would have gone off with no restrictions. <clears throat> they gambled and gambled very wrong, in my opinion. They've rolled the dice yeah. and shit out. Mm. Yeah. Go on, Dom. I just think it depends how you spin it. Look, there was already talk about the fact that overlap with the PDC World Championship and Q School. The fact this is COVID isn't out for them, potentially due to poor ticket sales or whatever, I think it might work out for them in the long term. We always thought that Easter and, and that April slot was a better slot for this tournament. It was just pushed by broadcasters and etc. to go in this slot. The way, the way and the lateness of the announcement, okay, does not work in their favour, but the ability to put it in a slot that probably helps them long-term, gives them more time to push the event, etc., build it up, get these players back out there, they may end up losing a lot of the field, which is the issue, because a lot of those fields are going to go to Q school, and at which point, 
trying to drop players in from the reserve list is going to look a little bit mad when you're already going to be three, four months into next year's touring calendar. That is the biggest issue for me. Not the fact it's been moved or whatever else. It's the fact that the tournament could have a very, very different look to it in four months' time. And I'm also, from the perspective of the team covering the World Seniors, it now clashes with one of our qualifiers and we're both at the lakeside in the space of four weeks. That's bad for business. Well, oh, but on, one, on, one of the points, on one of the points you've raised there was around... It gives them a few more months now to sort of advertise here, you know, try and up the numbers. From what, personally, from what I saw beforehand for that sort of advertising and build-up and social media, I'm not 100% convinced that it's going to be much, much better. And those those numbers are going to increase massively. I think the World Championship should be in April. I think it should have been in April anyway, or a different time of the year. I think we needed to move away from it being here, and that's that is a positive. But it then also goes back to how many players have to not be in the World Championship who are currently in it for them to then potentially look at do the redraws because you've got loads of invitations. So the seeds are no longer the seeds. How do you move it around? For me, they've got to look at the old structure of how it's been set up because if you have eight players who are currently seeded not playing in that and then they're replaced by reserves. Is that draw then fair? Because you could have a section of the draw with no actual seeds in that draw. There's so much of it that just isn't right. And it back to probably the start of the show where Bansy was talking around the PDC wouldn't have changed. The the rules were there in regards to if someone had COVID. We we you know we had to continue. I just find it mad. It's the it's the only thing no, that Bloodying me so much that it shouldn't have happened. Luckily, the uh, PDC World Champions, you've distracted me from it, but you've just uh, refueled all that and in me, dog. <laughs> Not yeah, you, but look, me. We're comparing the absolute juggernaut that is the PDC to the WDF, who have taken over from the BDO in managing this tournament and their tour at a time when it literally could not get any lower. They've inherited a bad product through mismanagement for the last 10 to 15 years. They have to get off the ground. It simply has to happen for there to be something for the entire amateur circuit that more players affiliate to than any other darting network in the entire world. This has that's to get off the ground if people are still to believe in this structure. But they can't get off the ground at massive lock well. because then there is nothing else. They cannot that's get off the ground at massive lock. Because No, it has to get off the ground without making a massive loss. You cannot bury yourself in financial difficulty before you've even got anywhere you and you know it. Sorry, Phil. Yeah, do you think that changes anyway? much? Because Bob yeah, do you Potter... think that changes much? Because Bob Potter has taken the ticket money. So the WDF, you said it has to get off the ground. They're not making money on their prime event anyway. So it's a, this is all about whether Bob Potter makes money or loses money. Not the WDF. It is and it isn't because getting off the ground symbolises to everybody you are back. You're in a position where you can start working with others. You have to deliver a product the first time around for others to have belief in you again. It's the same reason why World Seniors aren't currently involved with the PDC, whereas the snooker is. It's the same people involved, the same people behind it. But for the next 18 months, the World Seniors have to prove that they can stand alone, that they have a deliverable product before anybody else is willing to work with them. 
you have to go out and advertise yourself to the best of your ability and getting off the ground in that way is the only way for them to do it they're literally pinned into a corner if it goes ahead and i'm still not convinced it goes ahead in april by the way if it goes ahead in april they're then going to put it back to january next year it's not going to stay where it is I don't. I don't agree with this that. I think they should move to April. This is this no, is their opportunity this, 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 to get out of the PBC shadow everyone, and go for standard. There's nothing else. Listening there. to everyone in and around, it's going to go back to January next year. Which is a bit. I, I don't agree with that bit. But the rest of it, they literally have no choice. They are so tied. It's not right though, because people like Connor Scott, Cameron Menzies, Scott Marsh. If they go and win tour cards, they've qualified for that world title as an amateur. And for no fault of their own, they then can't play in it. And that isn't right. right. It isn't right. But as, as harsh as this sounds, and the World Championship is about the players that have qualified for it, what that World Championship symbolises means more to the millions of darts players around the world that affiliate to that network, not just the 64 players that are going to take part in it for the men and the 24 women and whatever else, the rest of them, 48, 24 the youth players and whatever. And look, there is criticism about the prices. They are double sessions. They're still quite expensive, yes. But they are double sessions. I think people just look at numbers going, well, that's ridiculous. Because for a PDC session, I can go and watch four games of darts for 35, 40 quid. You're still getting close to that. A little bit more expensive, yes. But you are still getting close to that. But you have to go and watch both sessions. What you've just said there, the trying to get off the ground. But then off the ground, you'd you'd at least yeah, think of a starting the ground, point. Then start your ticket prices mm-hmm. low, pack the place out, make it look good. So say it doesn't right, say ticket sales don't improve vastly. Because at the moment you can go on the website and they've only sold I think twelve percent of all tickets sold. So if it goes ahead and Bob Potter swallows his pride and swallows a lot of money, then it's gonna be on TV in April with not with the afternoon session live on TV. With one man and his dog there, how bad does that look? I don't have all the answers. I'm just... The PDC looked horrendous in its early days. It just has to get off the ground. And the issue is that Bob Potter is the man funded it and isn't prepared to take the loss on it. And other than that, it just has to succeed. This, this is the issue. They haven't got the commercial marketing brains in place to do it. It's catch-22. They have to have a good tournament to be able to take off. They have to have somebody good to market it so it can take off. And you need funds from one to do the other. You need exposure from one to draw in the other. It's just a vicious circle for them. And again, look, you have to sympathise with them because they are taking over an organisation that literally could not get any lower. The BDO has not been a thing for 18 months to two years, and there are still people throughout this PDC World Championship making jokes and comparisons about it on Twitter. For me, it's a sellout. And I think it's a shambles. The The problem is it's quite the opposite. Should have gone ahead. Anyway. We talk about Q School now. Yes. <laughs> um, Q School on the horizon in Milton Keynes and in Niedenhausen. 
the German one is going to be bubbled. The UK one, I'm guessing, with Boris's today, no further restrictions, it will be kind of normal. A bit like a bit like a pro tour. Hope so. Yeah, really hope, hope so. Indeed. And there's the question we're waiting for: Will you guys do live stream at Q School this year, like last year? Yes, Jamie. Every single day. I will be we sat will be here, here with members of the team for a week. Correct. We'll put, we'll put together our rotor by the end of the day. There may be some guest spots as well, um, depending on team's availability, because obviously it is during the day. We're not all in lockdown this time, so there is an awful lot of us that are working um, our regular jobs. Um, five more subscribers will go a long way to one of us not having to work. Hint, hint. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's the next <laughs> plan uh, yeah. of attack for us. I believe there's 30 cards available. Uh, split will be something 30, like yeah. 17, 13, or 18, 12, depending on what the PDC decide based on lines. number of entries. Um, no entry list available as yet. That will come out later in the week, so we can't really discuss the ins and outs of it and any random names on it, but we can look at the players that I was about to say, big name, Connor Who do you fancy? Uh, Myself. Early. Obviously. Oh, we talk about darts. <laughs> <laughs> who, 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 who do you fancy to come through Q School? I think it's because of the way the event works and how damaged it could be. It's difficult to sit here and tell you this person will get through it because it is. It can be such a lottery. Even the top, top players are one or two performances away from being absolutely in the mud. Winning a, an event of, of that size is always going to be difficult. You're going to run into top quality players throughout. But based on performances last year, Connor Scott, Nathan Rafferty, uh, wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Vaness went in and picked up a tour card. Um, I'm trying to think who else is literally half the live league, to be fair. Uh, uh, yeah, Shawnee Mack, obviously, who's... Yeah, he's going to be one in the mix. Uh, Fallon, I think she does this year. Dob doesn't look convinced, but I think she does this year. Um, <laughs> um, and and for me, one of the interesting as it was last year, I guess it's a lot there we've mentioned are in the UK one. It's it's the the names you know. With, there's a lot of talk about Nito Tours last year, Tatol, all those players that we were sort of talking about. It's going to be interesting to see the entry list of those to see how many of them are in there. And then the names come up around the ones who have dropped out this year. So you, you'd like to have Darren Webster and all those come into the mix. So it's, it's certainly going to be an interesting one. I'm looking forward to the entry list. And hopefully an no one. one's impacted COVID-wise. It's an interesting one. Once you get to round two, over those four, it is four days round two, isn't it? It's three and then four. Three and then four, yeah. Yeah. Those those four days, there's a handful of players that, do I think they can win a tour card across four days? No. But their A game could go and blitz people in one day. And that's kind of the intriguing thing for me, it's can they hook it up on one day 
and, and do the job because they're, they're, they're inconsistent and I don't think they can do it across four days. And the, the, the obvious one for that is the other half to Fallon is Cameron Menzies because when he's on, unplayable. But do, do I think he can do it across four days? No. Can he do it on one day? 100%. Do I think he's going to turn up for all four days? No. Is he going to get lost wandering around Milton Keynes? Yes. Just going to be going round and round about. I've had the experience of trying to drive around Southampton and find a Scotsman. (laughs) Um, It's all fun and games when Cammy comes to town. Yeah. Uh, A lot of questions about um, Edgar. Look, Matthew Edgar is king of coming through qualifiers. And things like this. He's come through Q School before. So, look, would he be on my ones to watch in, in the top betting for me? Yes, he would. And I guess um, we're gonna... the other thing is, we spoke a lot about this last year, is that in, in years gone by, for some of these players, not getting a tour card would be a disaster. It's yeah. another year where they have to go, where they have to start going to... Video or or WDF opens to try and keep their game in shape, try and pick up county and and etc. to try and keep themselves in good position, have a crack at the challenge tour, but less events, a little bit more competitive, and um, and what have you. But there are so many opportunities right now, not purely because we're sat here on on the online darts live league that we'll be back this year. That's one you've got your challenge tour. ADC have, have just launched. We haven't spoken a great deal in, uh, in depth about them, but I think we'll touch on them on the next live lounge. Um, that was quite a late announcement throughout the middle of the world. And we're wrong, it, it's big, but it's not as big as some of the things that we've discussed. And there, there are so many opportunities for players that aren't a PDC 128 tour card holder to make a very, very good amount of money playing darts for a year without being a tour card holder. 100%. Yeah, I think completely. I think. Yeah, last last year there was one obviously that stood out, but that was because of his where we finished in Chaz and got all the way to the worlds. This year, fingers crossed, there's plenty more opportunities and not just hoping to be on a reserve list for the pro tour, which let's be honest, is not a bad place to be because of the number of people we have. If you're in that if you're in the top three or four there, it's not a bad place to be. But the opportunities that live lead and all, all the Toms that you've mentioned there open up. Um, certainly made it a better place than where we was 12 months ago if you don't secure that tour card that you can go and have a good year and pick up a, a large amount of money uh, in darts not being a, a professional as such. I agree. We're going into Boise Fergie time. We can't close without question time, so we're going to go 10 minutes over time. Someone's put the board up. Well, sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, with the five sets all, two legs all, the final set must be won by two clear legs. So we are going to Man United are losing to Wolves again. Give them an extra 10 minutes. <laughs> so, get this your is the dark show. Let's start with. Let's start with everything. Can we get down the bottom of the, this page? Then we have this is a dark show at the bottom just for Dub every week. Just for a moment. <laughs> Uh, Henry asks, <laughs> outside of Fallon and Lisa, who's the next best suited female player in your view that could win a tour card? I think it's between um, two. 
It's between one if she's okay. And I mean I think that it's between two. I, I, yeah. I think Bo's head and shoulders if the action and everything is all right. Makuru. Makuru's the other one. If, if she can yeah. spend enough time in the UK playing steel tip. If, she, if she's so restricted to Japan and soft tip, if she makes an awful lot of money. That happens because the amount of money she makes at soft tip, I don't think she'll ever commit yeah. to it properly. But for me, yeah. um, Bo all day. In terms, of, in terms of raw ability, Bo agrees. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Where's Phil's Christmas decks in the bin? Jamie says, if the home tour returned, would Gando even have a board? No chance. The man just does not care. A a good one in here from Don Phil first. Two seconds on Ando. He genuinely had the worst internet in the world and was actually devastated when they fixed it for free for him because it was great publicity because it meant he had to play. (laughs) He genuinely loved not having proper technology. (laughs) And now he's got like ridiculous... He doesn't want to play Yeah, one question I saw that relates back to Q-Stall. I know we debated it quite a lot last year. Um, Martha says, do better players come from Europe to stall or UK? Because five years ago, this was a very, very easy answer. I don't think it as much now as it was. Last I still year, probably edge was... towards UK, but it's very close. Last year, I was really impressed with the top end of European Q school. <clears throat> the bottom end was still yeah. not very good, yeah. but the top end was exceptionally good. Yeah, the gap the gap between top and bottom on EU is a lot wider than it is on the UK. I yeah. think the UK is more competitive in that top third, and you'll get yeah. the odd player that will come through it. But because they're all very very similar and the like, and can take results off each other, I think you're likely to get a player that's going to have a bigger impact on the rankings immediately from the EU Q school this year. So yeah, so to to sort of flip and add to that question that come in, if it was one big Q stall and there was 30 cards, do you expect that split to be more of a 15-15 than probably, what, five, ten years ago, where maybe it would have probably been 20-25 UK to five Europe? I still think if you put everybody in the same room, the UK would win two-thirds. Yeah. Um, yes, Leighton Bennett is going to Q School. He is. Because he has been practicing with my friend. He is traveling also from university. He is now old enough. I love as of New Year's Day. I, I really like that, Ian. However, the DRA are also going to like him if he gets a card. <laughs> also, we didn't even mention it. The fact that he lost in the final of the JDC missed 15 match darts against Bradley Rose. Yeah. Absolute heartbreak for Leighton. But he will be back. And and actually a defeat like that this early on for Leighton, I think will will ground him going into Q school. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, Hopefully. As far as I know, Tommy, there are no dates for Riley's qualifiers as of yet. I'm still not sure we get Riley's qualifiers this year. 
Yeah. I think so I know it was something that he mentioned before. The only thing for me is if they're not going to, I hope an announcement's made sort of this week. Does it then falls into where you land in Tustall or will it go back on Challenge Tour and development of last year or the events at the start? I just think if, if they don't, I'll roll I just thought there's an earlier enough announcement to I know what the sort of guys are going for. It's because the ones in Northern Ireland, Wales, and Scotland are all shut. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I don't see them happening at the moment. When will the Premier League be decided? Your well, guess is as good as ours. <laughs> right. Obviously, I'm slightly lucky being inside the, the the Big Brother house for the last 16 months. There is genuinely what there's there's concern at the moment about the first month of the Premier League, and this is part of the reason why they didn't announce anything yesterday. Because three of the four, three of the first four host cities currently could not host. Being oh no, we're not going to Wales. What a shame. Being, yeah, <laughs> and, and Berlin. Sure, someone's so, Instagram will love that. There's, oh, don't worry, we'll be, we'll be going to Cardiff at some point. It's just who the sacrificial lamb is. Um, <laughs> Jonathan, that's part of the reason why I think that nothing has been announced because I, I think logistically they are trying to sort and move things around. Um, Philip, funny you should say that. Yes, I do. Look, I don't know. I think we'll see a twist in the Premier League somehow. I don't know how, but I don't think we'll see just 10 players, five games a night. I think we will see something, whether it that is challengers, contenders again. Um, but well, I think we'll see something. I hope so. Yeah. Um, the 10's got a bit flat, and the issue with me is, even with all the logistic issues and whatever right now, is that for an awful lot of people, the top 10 in the world were head and shoulders above the majority of outsiders. There's a couple in the potentially in the conversation, but when it boils down to it, the best 10 players in the world right now are the top 10 players in the world. For, for all the faults in the rankings, that's just... Fact, they are the best 10 players in the world right now. Are they the most marketable? No, maybe not. But are they the best 10 players in the world? Yes. And that has always been what the Premier League is about. In past years, when Gary's withdrawn or they've announced contenders or last year, they announced nine. They've never been afraid to announce smaller numbers. The fact they haven't even done that this year says there must be something major coming. There absolutely must yeah. be. Otherwise, the top four would have already been announced, the top six, the top seven, and we're going, we're holding up for these spots, potentially for the Masters. We're going yeah. to add players as and when we get to that point. The fact that the top six, top seven, top eight haven't been announced yet and there's a couple of wild cards waiting, that means something big has to be coming. I'm also oh, yeah. not against them moving the date of the announcement. It always has taken a little bit of the shine off the PDC World Champion. Especially yeah. if it's a comfortable victory for a final. Someone like Marco Van Gogh goes and wins 7-3 like he did against um, Michael Smith a few years back. Pretty comfortable. He's the world champion. Bang, here's the 10 players that suddenly people are more interested in. I just don't like the fact that was announced on the night of. 
no, couple no, of days I'm, I'm before that, you. we're going to move I'm, I'm, I'm in. Do it, do it a week later. Fine. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that yeah, I think I think there's there's changes are coming. Um, I'll be open and honest. If it was just ten, and if it was the world top ten as it is now, hand on heart, now I would genuinely call it the most boring Premier League I've seen. I think we've been saying that for the last five years consecutively like, because that's just the staleness of the event the, the first nine ten weeks are pretty interesting it's when the players start playing each other again for an extra two legs for those five or six weeks that really makes the event that they're the moments that can make or break it because you're 10 12 weeks in the shine of the premier league being back has worn off a bit the people that enjoy it at that moment are the people in the venue people that have watched it for 10 12 13 weeks that aren't seeing anything different that's when it gets a little bit stale. So, yeah, a yeah, it, it's, change wouldn't it's, go. Well, it's excluding this year, obviously, the year just on because we had the fans yeah. return to the last because four. Because we had them in, in the yeah, probably made, made, yeah, made that feel of the, the competition be a bit different. But, yeah, well, yeah. I'd never understand they play each other twice, but minus the two players, but have an extra couple of legs. Yeah. I'm all for so, it. So, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm with God. God. I, I think... I think something is, is coming. Um, I, I, I don't know what, but yeah, stand stand by. Um, uh, Jonathan, as, what as, one as tournament are you most excited for this year? The World Cup. <laughs> because I'm, already, I'm already going on it early. Scotland will not get battered everywhere they go. If it is Gary Anderson and Peter Wright playing in the World Cup again, they walk it. I'm saying this in January. Yeah, but does he want to play darts? He wants yeah. to just play darts. Do, does yeah, he? Then is it, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it then? Uh, is it Peter Wright and Willie Borland or Peter Wright and Alan Souter? Or do they then still allow Endel to play? Does Gary Anderson's willing to? Different question then. Um, Paul Sargent says this and this is something I've heard quite a lot over the last week there's a lot of noise around this moment could the Premier League move to design um, not while there's a contract in place right now yeah not, not, not until 2024 at the earliest but could it yeah I don't think the conversation is could the Premier League move today's own. It's will the majority of the darts move today's own because Eddie Hearn is the man at the top of both. Yeah. Um, uh, Welsh media's got nothing to genuinely hand on heart now. It has nothing to do whether Fallon gets a tour card or not. One, if they wanted to pick her as one of the ten. They could do it now. And two, I genuinely think we are going to see Fallon Sherrick in the Premier League in some guise or form, one way or the other. So it has nothing to do with waiting to see if she gets a card or not. If, if, if they wanted to pick up, they could. Um, there's a couple of other games that I see. Um, oh, you're going back to the tournament. Uh, for me, it's always the match play every year. Always. Yeah. 
Not the right, last couple of questions, then, and then we are going to sign off for the first live land of 2022. We've started in great fashion, boys, by running late as always. <laughs> Do we have any information for the guys watching about the online league, Phil? No announcement uh, on lineups yet because obviously tour card holders can't play, so we are hands tied behind the back a little bit for yeah. who can be available for it. But format, any changes to that or anything? I think format will be, or it will certainly start the same anyway. Going forward, maybe um, potentially some exciting, maybe a little bit of exciting news halfway through the year. We're looking at a couple of bits maybe that will be good, but it will certainly start the year in the same format as as before. Um, what uh, do you make of the Masters staying at 24 participants? Um, basically, um, Philippic was ITV asked for it because they wanted an extra session of darts because there never used to be one on the Saturday afternoon. It only ever used to be Saturday night. ITV wanted an extra session, and the only way they could do that was put it to 24. Again, I know we, we berate Sky a lot about broadcasters calling the shots. ITV have called the shots with this one. I, I like the move. I like the move before we knew oh, no, it no, was going to be Premier League it, yeah. it, it wasn't. It wasn't the PDC done. It was ITB wanting an extra session. Yeah. For them, for their money. Yeah. Should we should we go um, early on this one because we answered this question this time last year and by the way I was right on that one again. Uh, will MVG win a TV title this year after well, a year right, without? I was. I said no. Correct. You won a TV title? Don't give me that. You won a TV title? Don't give me that. You won a TV Ranked title? Will my, rank it. No, I answered rank. Will Michael Van Gogh? Rank was the answer. I said no. No, it wasn't. It was Will Michael Van Gogh win a TV title? I'm taking it. the answer was he Taking it and running. I'm taking it and running. No rank TV title. Does that change this year? Yes, he will win three. Three. I'll say yes, and I'm not giving you a number. <laughs> Play it a bit safer. <laughs> Depends how early that yes becomes a reality. If it's at the UK Open, then there's a chance at something like the Slam or the Grand Prix, the match play. Mastic. First one, Mastic. The early that becomes a yes, obviously, the more chances. If he wins the Masters, the rest of the To answer Joseph's question any new tournament format you'd like to see this year the world top change it to more doubles please all doubles not even more doubles just all doubles yes it will be interesting actually to see if the pdc act on the survey they sent out I haven't yeah. seen the results of that yeah. i'm not sure we will see the results of that <laughs> um what? Hopefully, I don't. I don't want. I know why Phil's laughing because we never going to see the results. Hopefully, the way we see yeah. the results to that are by a change of format. We're not going to see numbers to what people wanted at all. Never ever going to happen. They're not going to release those survey results, Dob. You know these. Yeah. Well, just <laughs> imagine so seeing so those so results. So, 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 so,
I did, didn't he? We'll get there in the end. I'll, I'll worm it out. I'll go investigate him. Um, I think we have to wrap everyone, up now. I'm going to say, what an amazing start to 2022. The live band just absolutely smashed it on episode number one of the year. Everyone, give yourselves a huge round of applause. Remember, we are close to 20k subscribers. So, yes, we will do some kind of giveaway for 20k. Haven't worked it out yet, but we'll do something as always. Um, before you go, make sure you drop us a like and subscribe to the channel. Remember, Q School coverage starts on Sunday. We will let you know on social media the plans and how that all goes about. I've been Phil Vars, been joined by Jack Dobby Garwin and Lee Boyce and Raven Effect. You are correct. I am in charge. Uh-huh.